Welcome back, folks. You've got another episode of Ag Watchers to listen to here today, and uh, we've decided to do something a little bit different. We've had a few guests of late, but uh, this time around, it's just Andrew Whitelaw and myself, Matt Dalgleish, uh, on the line, having a quick chat, bit update about uh, what's been going on in markets. Andrew, um, we'll go through a few things, but I thought we'd kick off maybe starting with uh, your um, old stomping ground in the UK, uh, free trade agreement been announced exciting uh, stuff yeah it's causing causing turmoil i think the uh the old british farmers you know are a bit concerned they're, they're worried that the world's going to end there's going to be a deluge of of cheap lamb you know produced in cages and whatnot and all sorts of horror stories that's the view of the farmers the view of the consu- consumers like my dear old mother you know struggling on a struggling on her, on her pension Back in the the wilds of Scotland, is trying to make the ends meet. I said, "Oh, son, I'm looking forward to when that a nice, good Australian lamb comes across. So hopefully, hopefully, I'll be able to afford a nice wee chop once in a while." Wasn't when you were growing up, Andrew? Uh, lamb was was considered there in the UK to be a bit of a. It was like a, the peasant's meal, was it? Nowadays, it's not the case. How expensive it is. No, I think lamb's always been been really expensive. And and to be fair, I never liked lamb when I was growing up because my mother overcooked it, <laughs> as as most British people do. And and it's only when I came to Australia, and and I remember the time I went to barbecue with, uh, who was it? Oh, it doesn't matter. I went to barbecue and uh, had had French cutlets, and they were cooked to perfection. And I thought, what have I been missing all these years? So anyway, but but the UK, the consumer is pretty happy for the most part. They, the UK is used to getting meat from all over the world. And, and let's be honest, like I'm, I'm obviously British stroke Australian. Let's be honest, like the UK can't really stand on a high pedestal when it comes to, you know, animal issues. When we've had foot and mouth disease, we've had mad cow disease, we've CJD, we've had all sorts of things. Uh, so that's that's. At the end of the day, farmers shouldn't be fighting farmers. It's a free trade agreement. And what do you think? Like, how much is actually going to go to bloody the UK? Oh, look, I think initially, if you look in just say the red meat space to begin with, um, the since the since the UK joined the EU back in '73, that pretty much um, finished the beef trade to the from Australia to the UK. So, um, we've, the the beef kind of exports are negligible and have been for many years. Uh, you're talking less than probably one percent of our exports of beef go to the UK currently. Um, and for, for sheep meat, you know, they're slightly higher, but it's been declining in the last couple of decades from about eight percent down to about two percent of our export um, volumes go to the UK. So very small market at the moment, but um, generally though, it's a, I think it's a good longer term signal um we speak all the time you and i about the benefits of having a diverse market particularly for exports and with a country like australia and what are we now 26 million people or something we don't have the population to support the produce that we put out there whether it's red meat or grains or whatever so um we need these export markets you know the the more doors open the better it's always the case and i think look at the end of the day the uk is still what in the top five global economies yeah, yeah, they'd be up there. Yeah, so, sure. it's, so it's still an economy to 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 get into, especially if all those Russians living there now. They're bound to have loads of money to spend on. <laughs> used to be the Polish, used to be the Polish builders when I was over there, but uh, they were but now it's the, the Russians. Now it's the Russian oligarchs. 
exactly. <laughs> buying properties, buying properties in uh, Bloomsbury or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, just, I mean, to give people an idea of scale, though, uh, for the red meat space, um, the, the 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 kind of quota uh, for, that's set for beef is thirty five thousand ton uh, as a, as a quota before it hits any safeguard measures in terms of tariff. Uh, and that's that's affected pretty much immediate. And for, for sheep meat, it's twenty. And sheep meat's mutton and lamb combined is twenty five thousand ton. Have, have um, we got have we got anywhere near that in recent years? Oh no! Um, if you look back at the last five years, average, both mutton and lamb, we're looking about ten thousand ton sent over the whole year. So so really, it's it's for all these British farmers whinging, you know, whilst they drive around in the Range Rovers and whatnot to check the two sheep that they've got. Hmm. Uh, the reality is that. There's not going to be a deluge because we weren't even meeting our, we weren't even getting to the the, the core level anyway. Not even close. And and I mean, look at where we're sitting for supply, uh, more broadly for cattle and sheep here at the moment. We just don't. We're struggling to keep up with our existing top four markets, let alone to bring in a, a big player like the UK. Um, when you look at those quotas, though, the interesting thing is for beef and and see beef segment was even smaller. Like I said at the start that. Um, beef's been been averaging around 4,600 tonne a year for the, for the last kind of five years to the UK. So very small. Um, what, what, do we, the, what do we do to China in one month? Oh, gosh. Uh, we'd be about um, – it can range between fifteen to 20,000 tonne. So yeah, basically, so yeah, yeah. So basically it, we've got – the UK is about one week of our trade into China. <laughs> well, but this is the thing though, right? If you look at it and the, the, over the next 10 years, beef is going to increase the quota to 110,000 tonne and sheep meat to 75,000 tonne. Now, if you just focus in on beef for a second and think, well, that's that's a good good kind of market now, you're talking 110,000 tonne if we could ever get close to that quota. Um, but 10 years is a long time. And, and if you look at our historic trade with, say, somewhere like China, um, you know, if you go back... Uh, you know, probably to 2012 or 14 or something like that, that was when China was at around that 110,000 tonne a year. Um, and South Korea, similar, you know, 10 years ago, South Korea was around the similar level, 125,000 tonne or something. So, you know, we're talking about if they could get to that level, we're talking about markets that are, you know, as big as South or as big as South Korea or China were only, you know, less than a decade ago. So, you know, that there is the chance to grow it if we've got the capacity and the supply here. Um, and and coming the other way, there's not much agricultural products coming from the UK. But uh, if, but I'm looking for I'm looking for tariff exclusions on Bovril, uh, Iron Brew, Buckfast, Buckfast, definitely Buckfast. Like I reckon yeah. that would be, you know, because it's a medicinal, it would be mm. pretty good for for the Australian culture. <laughs> but, know, well, imagine, imagine, imagine sitting on Bondi Beach having a bottle of Bucky, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or or some Mad Dog 2020. I'll bring that to I'll bring that to next Christmas party. MD twenty twenty. What's it called? Wreck the hoose juice. Wreck the hoose um, juice. Now, um, the uh, the UK agricultural exports. If you look at the top exports coming to Australia across all types of uh, kind of products, um, there isn't really a what you'd call it a strictly agricultural one. The closest would be um, actually spirits and beverages and whiskey. Yeah, correct. Whiskey, whiskey without, without an e, because some people <laughs> make this is a this is a tip for people is that whiskey with an e is not Scotch whiskey. No, that it, whiskey with just W H I S K Y is proper whiskey, and whiskey with an e is, you know, I won't even say. 
So, so it's likely that's the closest kind of agriculturally related product would be something that's a, a, a product from agricultural, uh, you know, inputs. Uh, is, yeah, it's, is a food, that, it's a food product. Yeah, and that's that's probably the biggest thing from an agricultural bent that we import into Australia from the UK. And so. and 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 backpackers. Yeah, labour. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think. That would be an interesting one, like the Ag Visa. Like I'm not sure. I haven't really looked into it that much, but it's. I think it'll be a, less pommies doing rural work because they don't have to do that 80 days. They're not forced to do that 80 days to get their second visa. But I guess they've opened up that visa to you know a whole bunch of you know Southeast Asian countries that will that will will hopefully increase the workforce. You know, ongoing. Still mm. think it's going to be a big, massive. I think we're sitting on a big problem this coming yeah, year yeah yeah for sure because because sure. even i was looking at the other day they've increased the, the sort of the skills visa for you know doctors accountants all that kind of stuff nobody's going to come here in a rush because you can't get a permit to come into country and if you do get into country you can't leave so well, it's still it's still australians that are trying to get back they can't get here let alone get exactly. uh, other people into the country so it's going to be a while it's a big concern but moving on to other markets andrew what about like in the, the space? Up, oh, up. Oh. We don't talk about the Eki. Yeah, we can. Yep, Eki's very topical. Uh, Eki's we... crashed. <laughs> it's crashed. Um, it's certainly crashed from uh, the peak of nine thirty-two, and as of yesterday, it's crashed to nine twenty-nine. Nine twenty-nine seventy-five. It's nine 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 thirty if you round it up. Yeah. So it's down four cents. Less than that, actually. <laughs> Three cents. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, no, we, we've, the last few days we've actually just been sitting at these very close to these nominal uh, highs and also, for that matter, um, inflation-adjusted record highs back in September 1965 was 9.36. So we're only a handful of cents away from, from all-time highs any way you look at it. Um, but I think uh, you're looking at just the, the, the feeling of the market and some of those indicators that you know I like to look at from my old currency trading days, um, it does feel to me as though we are very close to a peak, if if not at at one now. We're, we're probably fifteen to twenty cents away from a peak. I'd suspect it's going to be very very heavy up and around that nine fifty level if we see it in the next few weeks or or a month or so. And then I think it's going to start to ease through spring. So so what do you think the drop will be? You know, some people have said fifty percent. <laughs> no, no, I don't think we're going to see a, a, a collapse to that magnitude. I think. Uh, it's probably going to be a you know a, a kind of slow move down through through the latter part of this year. Maybe we might duck under nine hundred cents, uh, you know, to around the eight eighty, eight fifty, something like that, perhaps. But, e- but, but um, even at an eight hundred, even at a seven hundred and above, is a good number historically. Isn't oh yeah, it? for sure. Like yeah, I, like yeah. I'm just looking at the chart here on MLA, which has the last three years, and basically we got to like the we breached the eight hundreds last February, middle of February last year, and it's never backed down since then, really. Yeah, and I looked. I actually looked at those kind of what they call in the in the in the financial markets or equity markets retracement levels, Andrew. Um, fancy. Uh, so looking at more, I guess projecting this is not to say it's going to happen this season, but saying to the next season or two, what kind of key levels are on the downside if we get, you know, say. So that's a back- bit. That's a bit like an accountancy. You could look at like a VAR, like. As, value as a risk? model, value risk nah, model, but not, but, not, but that doesn't that, looking, that doesn't really work on a time series. Not yeah, not not quite. Um, I wouldn't use that, but I'm looking at other other, you know, kind of measures of. I guess of, that's of, that's the difference between an analyst and an accountant. 
or a trader and a, yeah um so um looking at that though you know, longer term you, you, you know you've got to expect that around that 720 level is going to be significantly strong support um you know kind of longer term so i, I can't really see the eki going back under 700 cents till maybe into 2023 24 and you know unless we see a, a what, to- what, what about Sorry to jump in there, Matthew. Right. But what about the uh, African spine fever? Uh, yeah, look at that. If that, that that looks like it's maybe starting um, to finally come off the boil in terms of the Chinese, uh, you know, certainly the pig pricing. You put something out this week, Andrew, the pig pricing. Well, the pig, price, pig pricing has been smashed, but pork imports are still high. And and look, if we, if we take it face value, you know, the, the Chinese government data, sell herd is back to pre-African swine fever levels. But I think those sows are, you know, the runts of the litter and they're probably ones that wouldn't be kept. And so so you've actually got reproductive productivity. A lot of people are saying reproductive capacity of those sows are, you know, you know considerably less in terms of the, the mm. litters that they're producing. Yeah, and, and, the, <clears throat> the, the sow herd might be at, say, 95% or something like that in, in that, you know, number of sows, but the um, but like, production... It's actually, it's actually true productivity is like 70% of previous like, times. Yeah, 70 or 80%. So um, I, think that, I think that's why we're still seeing imports. But I think, like, I'll be interested to see what happens to pig prices in the coming weeks because there's, there's two sort of concerns out of China. Is one, um, people that are selling pigs because of resurgent ESF. So get them on the market while prices are high. And and like, like what we saw in 2018, that first move was a move down in price because there was a flood of pigs, yeah. Secondly, there's a lot of people who are thinking, well, that, that it looks like prices are going to fall. So get our pigs on the market as soon as possible, which actually perpetrates a further fall. Mm. So we'll see. But for the AK, it's like, it's what's it? So... You're saying about retracement levels, so seven twenty. Oh yeah, seven twenty. is a pretty major support level longer term. Uh, I'm not suggesting we're going to see that this year at all, um, but maybe I'm just saying if we get if we start to move maybe towards a more drier period again into the middle of you know 2023 24, uh, that seven twenty is the first kind of crucial level, and then beyond that, I think it's five ninety would be the next big major level. But I mean, even looking at five ninety. That's historically still pretty good values, you know, uh, for, for, for young cattle. Yeah. Well, I, I reckon the, the big test would be the African swine fever still. And, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So, and Argentina. Argentina is back in the mix. So yep. that was one month bad, one month of supplies out the picture. That yeah, for sure. Yep. That shouldn't have made a huge difference. Might have had, uh, some, might have no, had some effect, but... No, the month the month out wasn't a big. I mean, it, it made a bit of a disruption into the North American market. Um, and what was happening? I think we might have spoke about it previously that um, there was a big surge in Chinese demand for North American beef uh, when the Argentinian announcement came through. Uh, so that's that got prices kind of rocketing away for things like the ninety cell, which flows through to our pricing here. Oh yeah. Um, but, so that was the only real short term blip for that Argentinian scenario, but. Uh, that that seems to have you know now reverting back to normal again. Um, but you never know with those Argentinians and, and that they they don't mind um, you know kind of making life difficult for themselves in the export space. Um, what's it called? Shitting we eat or something? They're good at doing that when it comes to ruining their export sector. 
Yeah, we'll just remember. Remember the Falklands. That's all I'll say. But what about, uh, so the Eki is, yeah, like I said, I think we're getting to levels that is very top heavy in the next 15 to 20 cents. What about grains? Has been, so so it, do you reckon it's the peak then? I think we're, yeah, I think we're either at it now or we're, or we're not far away from it. So I noticed somebody else called the peak in May and then it's, <laughs> It's barely fallen. It's barely fallen. You know, since that day, I think it's. I think it's yeah. had a, an increase almost every day since then. Yeah, in the in the currency markets, we used to call those people reverse indicators. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is the this is going this is it. It's going south. It's, this is the top, and then you then you buy fill your boots. Um, so but, a, so so it was a curly one trying to uh, trying to predict markets. But yes, anyway, grains, 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 grains. Look, I think it's again this. Like I said again, I'm probably getting boring by talking about it. This time of year is that really exciting time of year where, you know, any little thing that happens drives the market up or down. And uh, the last couple of weeks has had its, its fair share of of interesting things happening in in grains. Look, we we as as many people know, we've got a good relationship with uh, the legend of the Russian grain industry. Russian. Andre Sizov, if you can listen to him on one of our previous podcasts, uh, but he he forecasts Russian crops, and again he's he's bumping his crops up again. So Russia is up to eighty four point six, which is you know close to a record high, uh, and look, there's still the potential for for upside there. Ukraine again, it's up as well. So we're talking two major players with really big crops, and I think that's that's a that's a, a continuing issue. That Russian, um, that Russian growth in yield or or, or um, production there is can be attributable to global warming, Andrew. Well, look, if if you look at the winter crop in in Russia over over the years, and I think Andre might have talked about this in, in the podcast we've done, but the reality is they're growing a bigger winter crop which has bigger yields, and that's largely off the back of more benign weather in in the Russia. I don't know whether it's less permafrost or just conditions are that much milder, which allows for, for better crops. So, you know, when, when some people gain, some people lose. So um, we're seeing that, that uh, predicted kind of volumes starting to weigh on the global price as well. Now, Look, look, we're seeing like the wheat prices have sort of almost stabilized for the last couple of weeks, really. Um, Corn was a big driver of it, but there's been, you know, better beneficial rainfall around the place. Probably the more interesting one at the moment when it comes to wheat is um, is that spring wheat crop. And we've seen that over the course of the years being, you know, quite volatile. You know, in the US, we have three different crops. We've got Kansas, which is a mid protein. We've got Chicago, which is low protein and Minneapolis, which is high protein and it's high protein spring wheat. What we're seeing at the moment is, you know, North Dakota grows most of that crop, and it's a ah, terrible condition. You know, drought, drought, con- drought conditions. Yeah. Drought conditions. So, so we said in early May, look, gotta be aware of this. And um, look, I think I said to a few clients that it's a good opportunity for a spread trade between Chicago and Minneapolis because when things get dry on the spring crop, the spring crop will go to a very strong premium to other futures. We saw it in recent years when it was, you know, you know, upwards, like in, in the 2008s, it was, it got up to like a hundred percent higher, you know, in, in 2018, it was 50% higher than Chicago. Uh, and at the moment where we're still on the low end 
of a drought year at you know 25% premium. Uh, but they've still got the potential if it continues being dry and it, and it damages that crop. This is the um, interesting phenomena with what what's you know termed that La Nina uh, impact, where obviously La Nina gets a wetter scenario within Australia, but quite often it, it makes it a drier North American uh, situation. Is is I did hear that the La Nina in the Pacific Ocean was breaking down over the last you know, month or so from some of the weather climate type forecasters, um, but we, you know, is this a lingering impact of that this drought in in North America? Is that the last kind of throes of La Nina? Could, could be this? Could, could be the last throes of it. You know, I think we've we've seen that spring wheat crop in, in some periods of La Nina, you know, becoming drying. And even though it's breaking down, it still has, like you say, lingering effects around the place. Look, but I think it's the other big concern with that northern US is that, like at the moment, if we look at that spring wheat crop, yeah. Uh, more than 35% of the spring crop is rated poor, stroke very poor, which is basically for this time of year, it's probably the highest since late 80s. So it's it's a it's a poor crop, and it's and it's even poorer than we've had for other periods when when the crop has been uh, priced at a, at a at a much higher premium. So like I think that's one to watch. Uh, you know, when we were talking about how the the premium would likely rise at that point, it was something like four percent premium now in a month's time it's gone to 25 percent premium on on the spot contract the other big concern with that and it's maybe not so much a concern for us concern for the uh, the canadians is that you know you've got that north north us and then into sort of southern canada prairies that that is also remaining dry you know and we, and we saw at the start of this week end of last week you know Canadian futures were, were starting to fall down from the recent highs we saw in early June. And they're starting to creep creep nicely back up to where, the way they were because there are just concerns about, you know, that Canadian crop is, is going to be in a, in a poor condition. And I think the Canada, and, and I had a bet with somebody yesterday, a bet with a CEO of a, of a well-known organization uh, that within 10 years, we would regularly be supplying canola to to Canada, and I think that will be the case. I think their domestic demand for 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 canola is just rising year on year by by big 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 sort of levels, big big licks they're adding into the domestic consumption. And I think as we see with with when domestic consumption increases, they're obviously trying to crush the crush the crop and then export the uh, the oil. But I think what will happen is we will find periods when they have a bit of a drought. It won't take as much of a drought to cause their supply uh, demand balance to be offset and then them to require imports like they're doing from Ukraine at the moment. Mm, and, and, that's a, and that's a funny one at the moment. You know, Ukraine is sending rapeseed to, to Canada and Australia is sending um, canola to, to Ukraine. Mm. And then here's another. Here's another one. Sorry, when on your on your FTA, yeah, you know we're we're already you know the UK has been one of the biggest buyers of of Australian canola this year. So did they know. go into animal feed? Is it over there? Ah, oh, they crush it. You know, they've they've a couple of months ago they had like twelve percent of that month's exports were were to were to the UK. Uh, really, that sort of Jan, Feb, March, really sort of big high volumes. Look, they're they're pretty terrible crop last year but they're crushing it for the oil and the, the meal goes into the feed M- meal goes into feed oil goes yeah. into human consumption 
Mm. Some of it goes into biofuels, but it's not the same volume that would go into. The all, all the oil, all the oil would go up to the the chippy chippies in Scotland, would it? To to be deep well, that's that's the issue. You can't, you know, we've got to get, you know, Panamax is full of canola there, so we can keep the deep fryers rolling. You know, deep you know, fried Mars bar, deep fried haggis, deep fried it, pizza. You know, a, a famous philosopher once said, "Scotland's only five deep fried pizzas away from anarchy." There you go. Now, talking about bet, you mentioned about this bet that you made um, with an unnamed source, but was it one of your bets where you make the bet and that person doesn't agree to it and, and you just still insist that it's a bet even though you haven't got two parties to it? Look, I, it, wasn't, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a financial bet. I just made the comment. Uh, so so it, will, it is one there is as a, it's as a sort of, uh, I told you so. Speaking of, um, in, speaking in ten, of, ten, I'll, have to, I'll have to wait ten years to get the result. But that's it. by that time, you they would have forgotten. But but speaking of more recently made, that's why I'm putting on. I'm putting on recording. Yeah, I can go back. I can say episode fifty three. Ag watchers. At that point, we'll probably be an episode five thousand six hundred or something. Something like that. Um, speaking of, it made me think of the the bet or the, the comment uh, where I stuck my neck out on the Aussie dollar when we had. Um, the friend of the show, Trent Osman from Western Union, on a little while back last time we spoke, and the he's, Aussie was moving he's, up. He's borrowed to Ambassador to come on because he keeps losing his bets. He's got, <laughs> well, gone, we, he's, he's gone silent. <laughs> we had seen the Aussie probing towards 80 cents back there, and um, a few of the Australian bank economists had come out saying we're going to see 85 cents, and I stuck my neck out, if you remember, and said that if we see 85 this year, 85 cents on the Aussie this year, that... Um, You'd see me going up and down out the front of um, Western Union's office in Collins Street in Melbourne, wearing my underwear, catching the tram up and down, wearing my what, underwear. What was the counter bit? Well, I just said that's, I, I kind of said it's not going to get there this year at 85 cents. And uh, I so thought what, we were getting. So, so what's Trent got to do? Uh, I, think he, I think he's just going to sit there with his, with his camera and take lots of pictures of me if it occurred. Oh, um, yeah. But I'm looking pretty safe now, though, mate, because we, we just saw. Was it 75? Uh, yeah. Probing back below uh, <clears throat> 75, and um, this last week or so, we've seen a bit of movement in the yield curve overseas in the US. So, uh, a bit of suggestions from Federal Reserve, like that's the equivalent of the RBA. Uh, so, Federal Reserve um, counterparties in the US just suggesting that rates might start to creep up into the next year or so, uh, 2022, 23. So, that the yield curve kicked up a little bit on the back of that, and that's gave a bit of support to the US dollar which is obviously US dollar goes up, Aussie dollar goes down. So that's what's pushing it down now. So I'm, I'm feeling very, very safe about my, um, about my uh, bet this year. I don't, it, it might be the case that we don't even get above 80 cents this year now. We shall see. We shall see. Could, could just have a big spike. One has to be there for one day. And you lose. So I reckon that's us at the end of it, really, isn't it? I think so. <clears throat> We've covered off on most things market related and i think we should have a we've got a bit of a lineup of guests coming up haven't we Can some interesting people to speak to so um we should be able to um you know maybe we'll come back and touch again on like markets. I think, like i think at the end of the day i don't think there's a need to do a market update every week because unless something interesting happens but you know there's plenty of other space you can get information on but if we most of ours are getting guests in do this once a month recap on the last month and and yeah, that's it. We've nearly done a year, haven't we? Of uh, of uh, ag watches, is it? We'd, next oh. next week would be our first well, it's, one it's, a year, I, yearly anniversary. I think next week will be the anniversary of us being uh, removed from the shackles of gardening leave. 
yep. and uh, being allowed to, to do stuff. So yeah, a year and we haven't been shut down yet. I'm glad you said removed from the shackles of gardening leave. I, I, I was hoping I wasn't going to be removed from the shackles I normally wear in my um, in my spare time, Andrew. Yeah, well. in, the, in the boudoir, in the boudoir, <laughs> and the <a> gag. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're getting silly, and it's not even the evening. So, um, uh, yeah. But but speaking of guests, we've got a, a few guests lined up, which will, which will have a lot of diverse views on on things. Some market related, some non markets. Uh, but we've got to thank all of those guests we've had over the past year. And uh, but if anyone's got any suggestions for guests that we can get on, then oh, give us yeah. a shout. Or well, if they're, if they're keen to come on as themselves, Andrew, don't be scared, listeners. Yeah. Let us some, know. Some people are scared. Yeah. So yeah, if you like the podcast, share it with your friends and family. Blah blah blah. Uh, leave a review. Uh, if you don't like the podcast, we'll share it with somebody you don't like. Put them through it. And uh, you know, we're taking donations now. <laughs> So if you if you meet us in the pub, we'll we'll tell you which pub we're in, and uh, you can buy us a beer or a if, wine. If if or, you're allowed, or a whiskey, or a whiskey with a what with a no e. De, de, obviously, depend on COVID restrictions. See when you got uh, nothing on. The, the west the, the Western Ballarat is our local where we have our our meetings. <laughs> <See>? Catch you soon. <laughs> Ciao for now. <laughs>